Hey guys, welcome to Mineral Spirits. This is Tabitha. Uh, today we're going to start with uh, the Broomstick Killer. It'll be our first episode. I know that I started things at the beginning of the year, and then I just kind of dropped the ball with Rona and life and all those things. So lately I've had a little bit more time and decided to go ahead and knock out an episode before the end of the year. So uh that and us living in false county i decided to go ahead and start with the broomstick killer now we're not going to go into or i'm not going to go into a lot of details about the murderers and things like that but this is just going to be a basic breakdown about the story and what happened so um i do recommend and got some information uh but i highly recommend the book the Bad Boy of Rosebud, and the podcast All Crime, No Cattle. I got a lot of information from those guys, and they go into a lot of detail about uh, the murders on that podcast, and they're great storytellers. They're also based here in Texas, so check them out if you get a chance. Read the book if you get a chance. Buy the book. Anyways, uh, anywho, let's get started. Um... We're going to talk about Texas inmate number 999055. He was born March 21st, 1946, and he was given the name Kenneth Allen McDuff. His parents were John Allen, and most people called him J.A., and Addie. They moved here from Paris, Texas. So they moved to Rosebud from Paris, Texas, where they raised their six kids. Uh, Kenneth was five of six kids, and he was the youngest of two boys. So I didn't really find out much information about the four sisters. So I imagine that the two boys being so rotten probably over uh, took everything, you know? Anyways, yeah, I didn't really hear much. But I'm sure if you dug a little deeper, you might be able to find out who the sisters were and if they were troublemakers as well. So... The McDuffs weren't, like, loud and obnoxious people. Neighbors actually couldn't really figure them out much. Uh, They weren't super warm to people, but they were both hard workers, and they did uh, care about their kids. Now, Addie cared about them and spoiled them rotten, really. I mean, her kids couldn't do any wrong. The boys were especially coddled. So... I mean, when I say they couldn't do no wrong, it didn't matter who, what, when, or where. I mean, she actually had a nickname, Pistol Packin' Mama, and she always carried a pistol in her purse. She pulled a gun on a school bus driver once for kicking off Kenneth's older brother, Lonnie, uh, because Lonnie was misbehaving, and he was a hot mess, and uh, she threatened the school bus driver with the pistol. And she denied claims of this later on, and but a lot of people around town said she did. She was known for that. She also owned a laundromat in town on Main Street in Rosebud, and I heard they lived in the back for a while until they bought a house at 201 Linden Street. Um, I sometimes drive by there and wonder what it was like. Uh, Rosebud is an old little town. It's a really cute town. If you're ever in the area, please check it out. There's also, like, 
a little coffee house on Main Street and whatnot. So, and they have a yearly citywide garage sale. That's pretty cool. Anyways, back to the story. So, his mom owned a laundromat, and his dad owned a concrete company. So, J.A. was his father, and he owned a concrete company. He did, um, like, did a little farming before, and I wonder if that's what brought them to this area, because this area is known as the Blacklands. Uh, the soil is really rich, so they might have moved here for that. But he was also into concrete, so he ended up running a concrete company that was successful, and that was during the 1960s uh, construction boom here in Texas. So he was known for being a farmer and a concrete worker. Um, either way, he was super successful. They both were. Uh, J.A. was always working. If his eyes were open, he was he was out there working. J.A. spoiled the kids as well, but Hattie really did. Like, she ran things at the house, and she spoiled those kids. I mean, I'm telling you, they could do no wrong. Whatever those kids told her, she believed, and then she had their back. It was crazy. Uh, and the community said that the boys were just downright mean. Uh, that Kenneth was a bully on a motorcycle. And, and he earned that reputation by carefully picking on weaker people. I mean, he loved to fight, he loved to drink, he loved to fight, and he loved to pick on people. Uh, he also had Lonnie as backup muscle if he needed it. So uh, the McDuffs, they were big. Kenneth was a tall dude. He had his hair slicked back, and he rode a motorcycle a lot of times, carrying knives and flashing them around town, and he would also carry a gun and shoot things throughout town while riding his motorcycle. Um, but Macduff picked the wrong dude one day, or he picked on the wrong dude too many times one day. I don't know that part. But uh, there was a popular athlete named Tommy Sammons, and he whooped Kenneth's butt. So Kenneth lost the fight to Tommy, and this was in front of everybody at school. Now, it wasn't on school grounds, but they did meet in, like, a ravine or something, and everybody watched. Um, it must have been pretty good because McDuff ended up uh, quitting school after this, and then he went to work for his dad at the concrete company doing manual labor. And so at this time, McDuff isn't going to school, and he had, a motor he had his motorcycle, drinking money, I mean, money to just blow, and, you know, no school, so he was in and out of trouble all the time. He ended up doing time for committing a series of burglaries. Uh, some of the research said it was 12 counts, others said it was 14 counts, but either way, it was a series of burglaries that he got convicted for, and that was in Bell County, Milam County, and Falls County. Um, he was paroled and worked for his dad again. And then, I don't know if prison, like, taught him more or if he just always, you know, had a plan, but, uh, it be seemed to beef up his crime game, you know? Uh, McDuff had a buddy at his dad's work named Richard Boyd, and Richard ended up introducing Roy Dale Green to McDuff. And Roy Dell was kind of ditzier, um, younger, and he ends up being 
Duff's first accomplice, actually, in the first set of murders. So Roy was younger and dumber, like I said, and he feared. He said that he feared Macduff at times, and Macduff and Roy, uh, they went riding around and drinking one night, and Macduff would always joke about like raping girls and killing girls, and he really thought low of women. Like he thought women were beneath men, and and they were to be used and thrown away, basically. They say that Miss Sullivan caught Macduff's eye. Uh, Miss Sullivan was 16 years old, and she was with her boyfriend, Robert Brand, and his cousin, Mark Dunham. Now, Mark Dunham was visiting from California, and they were all supposed to go on a double date. Uh, Edna Louise Sullivan, she liked to be called Louise, so Louise Sullivan had a friend that was supposed to go with them, and she flaked at the last minute. So that's uh, one lucky girl, right? Um, the three teens were stargazing, or so people think, and Macduff spotted Sullivan and then pulled many yards away from them and then snuck up on him and attacked him. The boys did end up dead in a trunk, and they took the girl. They both raped her, then Macduff raped her with a broomstick, and... He killed her by choking her with the broomstick. And that's how he got his name, the Broomstick Killer. I'm not going to go into more detail about the murders, but like I said, you can check out the book, The Bad Boy of Rosebud, and the podcast, All Crime, No Cattle. There's also a lot of other podcasts out there that cover the Broomstick Killer. Uh, Macduff was finally convicted of the murders in 1968. <clears throat> so those happened. that happened in 66. Two years later, he's convicted of murder, and he was put on death row. Um, Sadly, his sentence was reduced to life in prison in 1972. And um, with life in prison, you can get paroled. So Texas actually paroled this jerk-off man. He was a psychopathic, psychopath uh, murderer, and they paroled this guy, you know? Um, he was released in 1989, and the people of Rosebud, man, they feared this guy, you know, they're just a small town trying to move on, and they feared that he would come back and wreak havoc again. Um, I don't blame him, you know. Uh, Kenneth did end up going to school in Waco, and he worked at a convenience store for a couple of weeks, uh, I think it was maybe a month. And then he went back to his old ways, booze, dealing crack, um, doing drugs, just, you know, beating people up, trying to find fights, stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure that he raped and killed many other women, but, you know, when it was all said and done, I think he confessed to nine, and uh, there were 14 plus that he was a suspect in, so who knows, you know? Um... Anyways, the thing about Macduff is he kept on with the same behavior, and he would even fail piss tests. I mean, they would do drug tests on him, and and he would fail them, and they would just never file it. He had plenty of parole violations, and the parole officer never did anything. I mean, there was even a local girl that went missing, had the same MO of, like, what Macduff would do, and people even said, check him out, and the cops didn't even question him, to my knowledge. 
And by the time Macduff got out of prison, um, his brother Lonnie had actually died. Uh, Lonnie stuck with his same ways too. He ended up dying in a fight over a woman in 1986. Uh, both of the boys were just kind of rotten, you know? Not kind of, they were rotten. Uh, one doctor actually said that, Mac- that Kenneth Macduff had no soul. He thought he had no soul, and I believe it. Um, so Macduff was up to his old ways, and he was with a buddy riding around and drinking and talking about the same stuff, raping women, killing women, and Macduff spots Colleen Reed at a car wash. And so they pull up behind her, and Macduff pops out, scares her, she screams, and he grabs her, and then he throws her in the car, and they go. Well, neighbors heard the scream, and uh, people who were next to the car wash, and they came running, but by the time they got there, it was just... Like, the car was all soaked and soaped up, and the girl was gone. No, those people were probably freaking out, man. Uh, I just couldn't imagine, and that poor girl. So, Macduff takes her, and they end up um, beating her, raping her, and killing her. So she met the same fate that Miss Sullivan met. And a few months later, I got it again. Macduff was ready to murder again. I think it was March of 92 at this point. So um, Colleen Reed was in 91. And three, about three or four months later, in the beginning of 92, he decides that he was going to snatch a corner store clerk and she was 22 and pregnant and her name was Melissa Northrop. She met the same unfortunate fate that that Miss Sullivan and Miss Reed met. Kenneth McDuff was uh, finally apprehended for the final time (coughs) excuse me, for the final time May the 5th, 1992, and he was convicted for capital murder in 1993. He actually got the death penalty. So, all right, in 1968, he got the death sentence, and that was for this first set of murders. And then that was reduced to life in 72, and then the bastard was paroled in 89, and he murdered again in 91 and 92. And uh, like I said before, he did admit to nine murders that they suspected him in, but he they really thought it was 14 plus. So who knows on that. Now, November the 17th, 1998, at the age of 52 in Huntsville, Texas, Kenneth Allen McDuff was given the lethal injection, and in six minutes, uh, the inmate 999055 was dead. Um, His family wanted nothing to do with him. I don't blame him. He was buried on Peckerwood Hill in Huntsville, which is where all the death row inmates that aren't claimed go, and they aren't buried under their name. He's actually buried under his death row number, 
9990 so that folks is a basic breakdown like I said of the broomstick killer and I didn't go into a crazy amount of detail like I said this is just a little breakdown of it um, I do highly recommend again all crime no cattle podcast it's a two-parter podcast it's a great listen and I only say that because they have so much information and um, I didn't feel like I needed to do the same kind of podcast uh, like other people. I just wanted to give a breakdown of it and I plan on doing a lot more random stories, but I felt like this was a good way to start. So I hope you guys stay tuned for more mineral spirits and if you have any story ideas you can please uh feel free to shoot me an email that's tabitha k worthy at gmail i might get a mineral spirits gmail i probably should but anyways uh shoot me an email if you have a crazy story you'd like to share or have an idea Anyways, we're going to probably talk to some people around Falls County soon, maybe even my great-aunt Edna and my mom, about uh, casinos around Galveston and a little history down there, and then probably talk to some people at the palace and get some history about that place. There's stories about Bonnie and Clyde staying there and uh, perhaps some ghost tales from around the area that would be fun so i hope you guys stay tuned and cheers uh to a better next year